1: A proud member of Sports Drink Network. It's July thirty first, twenty twenty two. This is Tom coming to you from the Washington D.C. outpost. Nick joins me from the Houston outpost. We're back together for the first time in a couple weeks. I, I was out of town, and last week was um, decimated by the by the Wuhan Red by the Fear, Red death. Yes,
0: by, the, by the vid, the COVID. Yeah, the 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 uh, the most consistent player in the game right now. Well, Maybe the most consistent besides George Pickens, who apparently is the best receiver in the entire NFL, but more on that later, I guess.
1: Yeah, we're going to go over a couple of things from training camp. I just want to credit COVID to these incredible obliques I have now with the, the weight loss was the side benefit of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah we, we have, Hey, look, you know, it, it is training camp. There are things going on. They haven't put on pads. They will tomorrow on Monday. But, you know, some of the things we are seeing there are are interesting. We are going to talk about George Pickens, which may be the pick of the draft. No pun intended. Um, Mason Rudolph continues to impress. And the Steelers announced their Hall of Honor for 2022 yesterday, that the uh, picks are always interesting because it is a relatively new. um, The Hall is relatively new, having started just 2017. So there may be, you know, if you want to have any fun with it, you may question some of the the picks they've made. But, you know... they
0: all seem worthy to me. Anyway. Yeah. George Pickens. Should we start with Georgie? Uh, I think – Okay, there's something to be probably. excited about, right? So we're so used to watching this training camp stuff. It's up for, You can't really – you really can't get much out of the training camp stuff, unfortunately. with It feels like the quarterbacks all throw like six passes a day, right? You see yeah. the stat lines like, well, he was one for seven today. He was two for seven. And look at that. He was four for four. You just – You can't tell and it's wild because i feel like in high school i don't know about college but you get so many reps you're throwing tons of passes tons of live live reps and it just seems like in the nfl they don't have a lot of that or it's a lot of like individual team drills and obviously they're trying to keep people healthy because it's just a bunch of freakazoids running around out there and they could all kill each other but we kind of i think dad we knew that like we're not going to get much info on mitch uh kenny who pretty much I guess he exclusively throws interceptions at this point. And, uh, and Mason Rudolph, we're not really going to get much on them until they get some preseason games, and now there's less of those. And, yeah, I don't think, unfortunately, there's going to be much fun stuff to report on with them. It's going to be the same report as usual. Like We're pretty sure Mitch will start because it will be very difficult to supplant him. Matt Canada said yesterday that Mason Rudolph has looked really good. Marco Bolley said that. And Canada says, no, he has a legitimate chance to win the job. I think obviously that's not true. That's not the way NFL teams work. You've, you've invested too much of the 20th pick in the draft and then what, like $10 million in Trubisky? Like that's how that works. You're not going to leapfrog him. But uh, – and that's the last thing Steelers fans want to hear. Like we want to know is, is Mitch actually going to live up to the second pick of the draft type or is Kenny Pickett going to be the savior like everyone wants him to be? And all we hear about is Mason Rudolph, the most hated player on the Steelers in a long time. So, you know, I'm gl- so that's I'm gl-
1: disappointing. I'm glad you said that because as the words came out of your mouth, uh, what Canada said, it, it, when my head was screaming, no, he's not. Yeah. There's no, <laughs> no ball chance in hell. And this is all, and even Kamboli's in on it, right? These guys have to, have to hype training camp. There has to be a story. There has to be something interesting to talk about. What I find interesting also is that the, the assertion, that Tomlin isn't looking, you know, he's not counting every pass, and, and maybe he's not counting every pass, but you have to believe that especially everybody on that field, especially the quarterbacks, are sweating every pass. You know, i got to believe at yeah. this point, Kenny's just slightly nervous about not being yeah. pinpoint accurate because I, I think yeah, they he, do count, especially when yeah. you're doing it without pads on and, and actually in danger of being tackled.
0: Yeah, I think with like we said about Kenny the whole time, it doesn't mean he, he can't be great, but he's not super physically. He's on the lower end of the spectrum of being physically talented in the NFL, uh, but he is just talented enough to be a starter. His arm's good enough. His speed is good enough. His height is good enough. But Mitch Trubisky is better in virtually every aspect. Right. So it and then in addition to that, Pickett is not a super well-schooled quarterback like a Joe Burrow or Mac Jones coming out. He ran a little bit of a gimmicky offense at, at Pitt and he's gonna have to do some learning as far as reading the field. So it, it shouldn't be a surprise given those two facts that he's gonna struggle at first. That's fine, that's to be expected. Um, and in regards to Rudolph and every pass counting, he's been in the offense for you know two to four years, depending on what you think of Feetner's you know, influence on this thing. So he's gonna have an advantage right off the bat. You would just hope that Mitch Trubisky would be able to assert himself a little bit more quickly. But, yeah, I guess, of course, the quarterback thing should be the headliner. I mean, for obvious reasons. But the the George Pickens thing, let's move on. So I said I was half-joking at the beginning of the podcast. I said he might be the best receiver in the NFL. I do want to put this out here. This is insane. and This is a little bit uh, – uh premature obviously or tremendously premature but even just from watching the reps you watch what this guy can do his potential is best receiver in the nfl like to to really be the best guy like deontay johnson who we we love he doesn't have that potential because there there's just a little bit of speed and size missing from him so he can always be like same with stefan diggs like And, man, if Deontay could be Stephon Diggs, which I don't think he's even that far away from, that's unbelievable. But you're talking about Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, some real freaks. And that's what Pickens is. And it is unbelievable to me that the NFL let him slide that far because this guy is 6'3", but he's coordinated. He's going viral every day for either snatching the ball away from Akilah Weatherspoon like a a total hands catch when he's coming back to the ball which you know we don't see chase claypool do that we don't see a lot of guys make those type of catches to, to have that type of coordination in the hand strength especially at that size he rips it away spins sprints in the open field and then when a safety comes to tackle him he violently cuts all the way across the field like ab would or, or or a superstar like that you you shouldn't be that coordinated that quick that fast at that size like, that is freakazoid. Chase Claypool, we've talked about, he's got all that stuff, but he's not coordinated. He doesn't naturally track the ball well. He doesn't catch with his hands all the time. And so that's what holds him back. But if he were coordinated, he would also be in the running for a best receiver in the NFL type thing. But just from the few clips of George Pickens, I don't think it's overreacting whatsoever to say that this guy could be, like, the, the best player on the team Within Not, you know, right away or whatever, but this looks like a superstar receiver. I know that's so early, but, like, I want to call it now while, while I'm looking at it,
1: you know? what are you, you're, you're basing on these clips that we're seeing of him, his uh, several receptions during training camp?
0: Yeah, just having that combination. 6'3", there's not many guys that are that size. Generally, when they're 6'3", they're either slow, they can't turn that well, or they don't have great hands. They're kind of goofy, right? But he's not. He's extremely coordinated with his hands he had did you see the crazy viral clip it was number two on sports center top 10 where he tipped the ball like four times and grabbed it like the the level of catching there's only been one other guy in pittsburgh who's had that and that's antonio brown right because even martavis bryant he's like a martavis um mike wallace these dudes uh, chase claypool they catch like every third one for like an 80 yard touchdown, but they drop some of the easy ones. This guy catches the ball with his hands. And then once he catches it, he rips it away and I'll hold it in one hand like he's palming it. That is like Odell Beckham Jr. type of coordination that way. And then the straight speed is incredible. The 6'3 guys, they're not that fat. They can be a build up speed kind of guy, but he can just accelerate, he can turn, and then he's mean and he blocks like crazy. So if you want to be an absolute stud, we talked about with TJ Watt last week. There's just a certain amount of like physical traits that you would need to have. And he checks those boxes. And what's interesting is, let's move into the Deontay Johnson thing. Cause I was talking to you about this over the phone a couple of days ago. The more we've gotten into the off season, the more I've, ju- I've decided, I, I, I'm pretty adamant that they should sign Deontay Johnson to a three year deal if they can. Because they're clearly pushing all their chips in the middle to win the Super Bowl. You got a couple years left with Cam. You got uh TJ Watt and Mink on their primes all signed up, locked up. You drafted a running back, Najee Harris, to lead the team in the first round. There's no chance he's productive after four or five years. It, it's it's not gonna happen. I mean, he already has so many carries on him. So that being said, you need to win soon. And when you look around the team, you think, ah, well, the offensive line still kind of sucks, but with one more they could get a they improve this offseason, and if they prioritize it next season, they could get pretty good. And then you look at it, like Oh, they've got good pass rushers. They've got a got some stars in the secondary. We'll see about the middle linebackers. They have spectacular skill positions, especially when you think, well, you're going to have Deontay, Pickens, Calvin Austin, who's already made a bunch of plays too, and Chase Claypool, and Hygieris, and Pat Friermuth. This is a real team. And so I think Deontay has tremendous value because once again, the Steelers, they're celebrated for drafting receivers, right? But they've only really ever... Drafted a one single true number one receiver, and obviously that's Antonio Brown, right? The other guys like Mike Wallace, he was a number one just by virtue of his skill set matching Ben's skill set so perfectly. That deep ball thing, like he would just catch a couple deep balls a game and it was worth it, right? And then he goes, leaves Pittsburgh in his prime, and he's never heard of ever again. Like that, played for multiple teams. That should show you, right? He's not really a number one. Juju, incredible receiver. Obviously, we saw he's not a number one outside guy. Martavis Bryant, maybe he could have been like a Mike Wallace. Obviously, he dropped the ball a ton and couldn't run a ton of routes, but he's so talented, he might have gotten away with it. Deontay is really the only receiver they've drafted that is a put him on the outside and he can do everything type of guy. And so the fact that they've re signed all these players, and I'll wrap it up here, and Omar Khan has a new philosophy like the whole we don't guarantee players money thing, it's gone. They guaranteed a TJ and we thought, oh, that's probably just a TJ thing. Well, then they turned right around and guaranteed to Minka, which is, this is great. Like, that's why they lost Le'Veon Bell. I mean, obviously, Le'Veon made a bad mistake in the prime of the career. Like, they're adjusting with the times. And I think they are prioritizing the way that the Steelers always did. They're prioritizing their consistent players. And I think Deontay keeps getting better every year. And to have that type of stability, if you just had him for another three years with all this team who's been together for a long time, you know you're not going to get a quarterback as good as Ben. The, the odds are very low. You're, you're going to be rolling with Mitch or Kenny or one of these guys. But that's okay if you have the rest of the team is amazing because the Super Bowl every year almost, one of the quarterbacks like sucks. It's either Jimmy Garoppolo or Jared Goff or whoever it is or Nick Foles or whatever it is. So you can do it with a decent quarterback and a loaded team. And so that's why I really think they should just max out, sign Deontay. And then in three years, let him walk and let George Pickens take over. And I know this is like, people could think I'm insane for saying this after a couple like training camp clips, but we said this about George Pickens with the college film as well. And it's just unbelievable that the NFL let one injury that he already recovered from one injury is nothing anymore derail the easiest draft it's he's 6'3 he runs a 4'4 he's incredibly coordinated and he played at Georgia like it's the easiest pick in the world it's unbelievable so that's what I think uh, why I think they should retain Deontay I know we've been talking about that a lot but I obviously he's been in the news while he's doing the hold-in thing at training camp
1: well you had I'm going to change the subject a little bit but it's related uh, you were talking about the other side of the ball and the secondary is getting a lot of attention right now. I mean, the whole defense is, is overwhelming the offense at this stage in training camp. Uh, you know, I guess that's kind of meaningless, but it does show you a couple of yeah. things, right? Defense can come out of the gate a little harder and it has a bunch of superstars, but the secondary secondary hasn't been known for superstar status, but you have um, Sutton Wallace and Witherspoon right now. And apparently they're, they're playing at a very high level. I think, Brooke Pryor described them as sort of a bunch of guys that are B plus players that are just coalescing at the right time. What what do you think, if that, so what do you think um, the chances of the secondary being more locked down than it has been?
0: Uh, I don't know. That's a lot of change. I mean, I know Joe Hayden's getting to the end of his rope here, but he is a a great, spectacular, multi-time Pro Bowl cornerback who's also super smart and super communicative. So I, I do think you're going to miss that. And Minka is really close with him on and off the field. So he's mentioned that. So I don't, I think it could take a little while to gel, but these guys are younger and they could be, it just revolves around like the fact that they kept uh, Minka, they locked him up. So he's not going to be playing scared, which you could be, you know, in a contract year if they don't give it to you, that can really affect you. They go like, oh my gosh, if I get injured, I'm not going to be paid. So the fact that they locked him up and you have one superstar and then you have a bunch of, I'd call them B players personally, you know. Uh, hopefully they can get to a B play. I mean, uh, Akilah Weatherspoon was paying higher than that, but he has three years of absolute garbage. And then one year of being good in Pittsburgh. So can't totally rely on that yet. So I think that it's kind of similar to what it's been in the past few years. Um, but it's an encouraging, you, you, you gotta feel good about it. You do get scared about the depth, but, but yeah, there's just a bunch of B guys. And a few of them have been around for a few years. And I just think that they're really gonna be fueled by Nick Fitzpatrick.
1: I think a couple of things, um, as far as these guys being, you know, at the level they are, one positive that's been brought out, and I know all we're looking at is positives right now from <laughs> training camp, is their flexibility. And then it might make them a little harder to scheme against, since it's, it might be, they might be more unpredictable than our, our previous setups have been. The other thing is – other guy I, th-
0: I think that's one thing that they might struggle with. They still – since Ike Taylor, they haven't had a single man corner who runs 4-3. And, and, and if you don't have one of those guys, you're really not that flexible. So I know what you mean. Like some of these, like Cam Sutton positional flexibility, like, well, we saw when he played on the outside, it wasn't that good. So I don't really count it as positional flexibility. Minka is supposed to be a slot guy. Like that did not work well at all. I think you're flexible when you have a, a safety like Minka, who's rangy, but you need one corner who's legit fast. And good at covering. And they don't have any of those guys. So I don't think they'll be that flexible from that standpoint. But they are smart players and communicative. And hopefully a killer Weatherspoon can be like the poor man's Ike Taylor in terms of yeah. being a man dude.
1: You have a little bit of depth. Arthur, Arthur um coming off as playing really well right now.
0: Well, he's he, – I mean, you just couldn't be any worse in coverage than him. I mean, he's in absolute liability, and teams now have film on him from last year where every single time he's put into coverage – I mean, he gets beat by 10 yards frequently. He has his little legs. they can't keep up. But he's spectacular in the run game. So hopefully they'll find a way to utilize him in the silver bullets role because he was so awesome in the run game and equally as bad uh, in the pass game. So, yeah, that worries me. Again, it's like it's all, they just – they never have cover guys. They never have guys that they can reliably put into cover receivers. They have like smart guys who will communicate a bunch of William gay type dudes. And you might be able to get away with that with one uh, superstar safety. You got two great pass rushers and TJ and cam, but you're just, you're asking a lot for them to stay healthy. Obviously they got Ogan Jovi now. Hopefully that should help. I'll knee knees already swollen up on the first day of practice. We'll see if high Smith comes along. The linebackers are total question marks. It's, it's, it's going to be a good defense if they can stay relatively healthy, but they're not, there's a lot of question marks there for sure.
1: Absolutely. Jumping back to the other side of the ball, a guy's name who's really been, uh, I've been reading a lot about this week is Anthony Miller. And did you see the clip of him catching? Yeah. punts? You know, that, yeah. this drill where they have to, they have to catch a ball, hang on to it, catch the next ball and accumulate balls as they catch the next punch. Oh yeah. Uh, I think that's you a yearly got this clip. It's great. I mean, I think he got the yeah.
0: six. He did, yeah. Crowd one. That's always funny. You see Eli he's number seventeen too. You used to see Eli Rogers do that at number seventeen, obviously A B would A B would do it. And that is a fun that kinda never gets old. Yeah, But he's it. getting
1: it but he's but his door's open with, with Deontay out in Chase with his um, injured shoulder some of these guys are getting a little chance to show what they can do. So it'll be interesting to see if he can stick.
0: I loved him coming out of Memphis. He reminded me of Deontay and some of these like jitter, like speed uh, smooth guys, but he's going to have no chance for like a a legit role because once again, they just invested way too much money in assets and the four guys ahead of him. But you know, that fifth guy is going to have to play a few games here and there. So if he can stay locked in, then I, I would think that, he would get a chance at some point, but that's a tough job to have. Like, how do you stay motivated and locked in? You know, you, you, they're not going to give you a chance to go in the game, but how are you going to be good when you get a couple snaps in week 14, when somebody's got to take a three guys got to take a week off or whatever, and then, you know, make the most out of it. That's, that's a tough position to be in.
1: Yeah. Good point. And how does um, <laughs> Chris, I can't even pronounce the guy's Ola name. Oladouken? feel. <laughs> I mean, Pickett just got his first chance in seven on sevens.
0: Yeah. Well, Whatever. <laughs>
1: I don't know how much Sorry. we need to drill into this—the uh, this story about Mason Rudolph and pressing. Uh, I think it. Yeah, he's know, been late offense. Yeah, and and um, I guess that the pickett he, hes just a little jittery
0: right now, right? Like I said, he's just—he's not that talented. So it, and he's not that schooled. So if you're not schooled, the only way you're going to go in there and rip it up in your first freaking week in the NFL is if your arms and legs are just so good that you run around and make it happen. Or if you had the fortune of playing at Alabama or LSU at that time, where they were running these really pro style offenses like Mac Jones and Joe Burrow, where you're going to be mentally ready. So hopefully Kenny can get to the level of those guys, but I'm not holding it against him at all. That the beginning is not going well.
1: So yesterday he can definitely I, did, overcome that. I did I did watch the announce uh, announced Hall of Honor honorees is that the way to, to phrase that yeah and um, it's interesting when they go back into time and I never heard of this guy Ray Matthews was a halfback and right end in the uh, in the 1950s huh. the interesting backstory on him he was from McKeesport. you've heard of that right of course so he introduced you to the the South Hills powerhouse that McKeesport was and <laughs> yeah. currently is. Um, He went to Clemson, was drafted in the seventh round of the 51 NFL draft and um, ranks 11th in terms of receptions with 230 and 3,900 yards in his career.
0: That's insane.
1: Yeah, it's interesting that they uh, can dip back that far and pick him out of, you know, a a bunch of mediocre players over history. The other guy that I am really embarrassed to say was not on my radar. Sam Davis guard from 1967 played through all four Super Bowls uh, all I can think of is Webster and Cole and um, I guess like Benny Cunningham and guys like that but
0: he was a tight end right Benny Cunningham or was he an yeah, he was a
1: tight he was a tight end but I, I can't believe I just didn't I just don't remember Sam Davis even though I hear his name and I'm looking at some of the clips and things just don't remember him anyway um, yeah he was on that line. He was replaced by Craig Wolfley eventually. And then a no brainer, Heath Miller was chosen. He was actually on stage for this. It was, yeah, it's exactly with the crowd. Great, great reception for him. He's been at training camp as well. So, boy, long for yeah. those days. So, I hope, hopefully, uh, he's sort of creating a um, relationship with Friar Muth. Hopefully, some of that rubs off i like the fact both of them don't talk which is always good for me.
0: <laughs> they really do have a lot of similarities i told you people like to put these similarities on players sometimes because you have nothing else to compare to but like we said in the past the steelers do like to draft like specific type of guys and they are sort of i think that that could be his his role or like for to steelers fans keith miller it's not just that they like him because he's a cool guy like he was incredibly productive. I mean, he was scoring touchdowns in, 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 you know, on the way to Super Bowls. He was a great player, but he never, ever, 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 ever gets mentioned in the national media. It's always like after the Tony Gonzalez and Antonio, Antonio Gates thing, people will mention Dallas Clark and Jason Witten. They never mention Heath. And so I think that Friar could have that type of career because we saw what he did as a rookie where he, he was, he's unbelievable. Like, again, you're talking about coordination like what I was talking about with Pickens, when you can reach over a guy's head and snatch the ball with your hands, that's like, to me, that's real athleticism. Obviously size and speed is part of it, but the real athleticism is like, I bet you anything that Pickens and uh, Fryermouth are good at basketball. I bet you they can throw a baseball. I bet you they could kick a soccer ball around. Just this like coordination and ability to control your body. That's why every quarterback who plays in the NFL, even the slow guys, they're all good at basketball and baseball because their hand-eye coordination is so good. So I think that that's what Fryermuth has. He's not, like, his strength is also good. I think it's gonna get better this year and next year as he just naturally gets bigger. But he is not, he's not very fast. He's fast enough to rock and roll, just like Heath. And why I think that he won't be like, I know people want to talk about it, like He's gonna be the best tight end in the league. Like, I don't think he'll ever be the best tight end in the league when you look at Kelsey, uh, Kelsey Kittle, uh, Darren Waller, Mark Andrews, Kyle Pitts, those guys just, ha- they do everything that Fryermuth does, but they're faster and they're bigger. And that's okay. Like, I will gladly take a Heath Miller. But he is, yeah, kind of a quieter guy, but not like awkward quiet. Like, he's, he seems like a cool dude. So it is cool that we have another Heath. It actually is sort of appropriate. And I love the video of Heath walking down onto the field and dapping up Tomlin and how happy they were to see each other. And it's just so cool to see how... It just makes you think like, wow, Tomlin's adjusted so much to have like Chase Claypool and Juju Smith-Schuster and Kevin Dotson. And then he goes back like with Heath, like a real OG, old school football player. And just makes me impressed with Tomlin that all those guys still love him like that.
1: Put a pin in that comment. I want to announce the last uh, member of the Hall of Honor for this year. And that is Myron Cope on Sports, the originator of the terrible towel who worked for the Steelers from 1970 to 2004. And I have to admit – I did not like Myron. The voice was just so annoying. I couldn't believe, it was like Tom Petty or Bob Dylan to me. I never knew why those guys got famous. They had the worst voices, but obviously he, yeah. he's iconic in Steeler history. <laughs> and that terrible towel was uh, something that's been copied by every team ever since.
0: That's funny. Like, how long has the Hall of Honor been going? You mentioned 2017. That it's brand new. I remember. Yeah, you almost feel like it's late for Myron, isn't it? Wouldn't you think he'd be like the first two classes? Uh, maybe, but they have guys like Bill Nunn and Chuck Knoll. So mean Joe, there's some yeah. Guys, yeah. Well, no, uh, Mean Joe is non- the first one, right?
1: Yeah, but I'm talking about non non players.
0: Do they That's divide so those like oh we do? Do yeah. they divide
1: those like we do one non player a year or something? Or? I don't know what the numbers are, but there's definitely obviously different criterion. But they, had, it okay, looks gotcha. like they try to let one non player in a year.
0: By the way. Like way to go for admitting that you didn't like him. I don't think I've ever heard anyone say that ever. And when I listen to the clips, like I couldn't agree more. It, it is so grating. There's a certain super popular, fantastic Steelers podcast with one of the hosts. His voice is truly like nails on a chalkboard. It is unpleasant to the ear, even though the information is spectacular. Um, and and I love hearing the Myron Cope clips because it's so Pittsburgh and it's hilarious and it's such a character. But for three hours, that might be a little much. But yeah. he would wear the – he'd wear the audience down just like we'd wear down the offenses.
1: Well, he, he worked with um, Bill Fleming who had a fantastic milky or you know, red wine voice. So it, it was yeah. – uh,
0: the balance worked out in the end. I'm so, so embarrassed. Wanted... Who's, who's the guy now? Bill, what's the guy now? This is, this is embarrassing. Yeah. it's a, her, Hillgrove? Hargrove? he but I don't we remember, don't, but we don't really get, I try great. to
1: sync up a couple of times, but it doesn't sync up with uh, direct TV broadcast. Well, so I see so many
0: of the broadcast. replays, like the clips that the Steelers post later uh, to the team account, when they have the announcing over it, it'll be his voice. And he, he's awesome.
1: Hey, so to go back to that pin and talking about Mike Tomlin, adjusting to today's players. How about the interview that uh, Ben gave to the Pittsburgh post gazette?
0: <laughs> yeah, it's, every retired quarterback's going to do this right it sounds kind of whiny kind of like uh he actually makes a bunch of great points that, that were true i guess he talked about you know the players is kind of a me first attitude now and of course that's an overgeneralization that's what every generation says about the generation after them like the world war 2 guys think that your generation's pansies and your generation thinks that mine is right and in a lot of ways like we we are and you guys are because the the needs change uh, based on what challenges you face, based on the rules of the game and stuff like that. So I don't think he's completely off base by saying that, that it is a little bit more me first or whatever. Um, but that's an oversimplification. Like when you would think like Juju Smith-Schuster, who we also mentioned and in the conversation, like the one that a lot of national fans might want to say, oh, he's a me first guy. The guy played injured more than like any other Steeler ever. He would lay his body on the line. He killed Vontae's Perfect. He's the ultimate Steeler. He never ever complained when he, he was a superstar receiver. He's gonna be amazing in Kansas City this year. You've seen all the clips already and people saying it's unbelievable to me. And this is a problem with Steelers media. And this is kind of why we have a podcast to get these thoughts out. People are so, they just don't know what they're watching or, they, or they're so biased. Everybody's so results in stats biased when those are stats are contingent on so many other players and coaches besides you that people are surprised that juju is impressing at kansas city it's like did you You have four or five years of him on the steelers all he does is catch the ball and make 90 yard touchdowns and run people over there's so much tape of it but he has like what, a couple, barely any catches when Ben's arm is falling off and they have the worst offensive line in the league and the worst offensive coordinator and his stats go down. And he never said one single comment at all to even suggest that he was upset that his superstardom, how much money did he lose? Like if Ben were younger or the line was younger, he would already be making 20, 30 million a year now. He lost tens of millions of dollars because of the players around him. And he never complained about it one time. So when you look at that, it's like they're football players. Like you have, there's a certain toughness that you need to even be a football player. So there's never going to be this hundred percent me first attitude. It's just a different generation. And Ben's 20 years older than these guys. And he gets annoyed by things that frankly, dad, you and I both would get annoyed by too. <laughs> so, but that's just natural. But these dudes like they're laying their bodies out on the line. And Cam Hayward came out in the media and I guess he said he just he disagreed with what Ben said. He's like, there's a lot of great – there's not me first guys in this locker room, like this is a great locker room, blah, blah, blah. And then Ben came back, and to his credit, something I haven't always heard him do over the years, he sort of apologized, said, you know what, I, I, I missed – I should have been more detailed. I agree with Cam on that. So I'm like, oh, that's cool.
1: Well, I can understand. I, I think I know where Ben's coming from. You know, when you talk about the TikTok videos and those things, that seems a little me too. Yeah. But we have talked a lot Definitely. about how one-sided, how landlord-tenant lease-like these these arrangements are with players. The players yes. are totally at the mercy of the ownership, which is responsive to a fan base that gets what it what it wants, right? So these guys, right. have historically go. Go look at the rosters from the seventies. Nobody ever moved. Nobody ever moved from a team. That is a yeah, lot no of free agency. You know, yeah. no free agency. And these guys got what they got. And even today, the NFLPA has created a contract where some of the most prolific players are getting paid a pittance because they're in a rookie contract. So, you know, more oh, power to them. I get
0: the what's that? That you remind me of something. Everybody's got to go listen to an episode. You gotta listen to this that I'll send it to you of Bussin' with the Boys, Will Compton and Taylor LeWans podcast where Will Compton is talking to, oh my goodness, it's, a, it's one of the, it's like the recent episode. It's a tight end or a player, someone it's, it's like after Foster Moreau, I'll look up the actual name of the guy right now, but they talk about the players' meetings. Oh no, it's, um, it's uh, CJ Uzuma, Bengals tight end who's now playing for the Jets, he's awesome. Very smart guy, very talk uh personable. And they talk about the NFL PA meetings. So I'm gonna circle back to this, what you're saying. It's really one-sided, right, with these teams. Like the fact that Deontay Johnson has performed so well and he has stats to prove it, which everyone wants, and he's been amazing, he's an incredible receiver for three years, giant sample size, and he can't get paid for that. And that's that's so backwards. And I know people say he signed a contract, like. You didn't, you didn't get to negotiate that contract when he came in as a third rounder or a second rounder or whatever in the NFL draft. Like, so, so don't act like that's, a, that's not how contracts work in any other business ever. It's just the NFLPA gets these crappy deals because it's a bunch of whoever's negotiating against 32 of the greatest businessmen in the world who, as Pat McAfee said, have been negotiating deals on a daily basis professionally for decades. They're going to get slaughtered, of course. But Will Compton on Bustin' with the Boys, the episode um, last week with CJ Uzuma, they talk about the players' meetings, and it is dead as bad as you would think it is. They basically say there's a bunch of players in there who – they just can't stop talking over each other. A bunch of people wanna hear themselves talk. A bunch of players go off on tangents about things that aren't really probably critical or the most important things that they should be focused on. They can't get on the same page. Then there's a bunch of players who don't go to the meetings frequently or at all. And they'll go to one or two a year and they'll go on these 15 minute soliloquies where they have no background on the pro- like. It is comedy capers. And they're negotiating against billionaires, professional businessmen. So. And that's, a, that's a check it out. It's a bustling with the boys. It's called, it's a recent episode, Taylor's Journey Across America plus CJ Uzuma. If you fast forward, the first part's a big thing about Taylor uh, Kenny, uh trip to Canada. But then if you fast forward to the CJ Uzuma part, really interesting stuff about the player union. That is really interesting.
1: It sounds like a, like a boys club with nobody yes, in charge. And, and the fact that there's such, it's transitory, right? These guys come and go for the most part. You've yep. got to really. You've, you've got to put somebody in charge who has a strong hand, or you're juggling a bunch of egos. Exactly. Today's show is brought to you by Sports Drink, your digital water cooler. Sports Drink is a newly created internet community of which we are a part. One of the we're one of the OGs in the Sports Drink network, and we try to find sure. the intersection of sports
0: and not sports. Check out Sports Drink on Instagram or Twitter at Sports Drink. That's uh, Sports Drink without the vowels. S P R T S D R N K. And thank you to them for sponsoring our podcast. So,
1: one of the things Ben referenced that I hadn't focused on at all is this NIL name, image, and likeness situation. You know, so the NCAA has been, uh, has had to let players capitalize on their name, image, and likeness. As a matter of fact, that one of the stories I read that players on Alabama have garnered $3 million over, I guess, the last year. But one of the little Hmm. nuggets, that I found one of the guys who totally and absolutely capitalized on this this new movement is Kool Aid McKinstry, and he came Amazing. in with the name Kool as the nickname before uh, this all. Before he came into to, came to Alabama, and guess who he has a an arrangement with?
0: Capri Sun. <laughs> well, well, spoken.
1: Anyway, that would be a good
0: move right? from Capri Sun if they got if they got Kool Aid. That is a missed opportunity.
1: I'm thinking maybe you're in the wrong business. Mm. Hey, anyway, we've got uh, training camp opening up with pads tomorrow, so we'll have more to report. Hit us up on Twitter at Steelers Outpost. Shoot us an email at Outpost at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Until next week, go Go Steelers. <laughs> That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be.
0: Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate, not one based on Carol. She's more focused on hitting a high note than the car in front of her.